You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Omari Salisbury, welcoming you here to the Paramount Theater. Um, joined this morning, my colleague. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's your main man, Proofing the Play. How y'all feel today? We live in the Paramount, oh? Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. We didn't we didn't expect to be here uh, on the 8 a.m. slot. Definitely not. And uh, But, you know, it's an opportunity. This space came available, and we wanted to definitely create and make space for, man, a, a colleague, a good friend, gone too soon, Devon Pickett, Jr., yeah, man, D-Pick, man, he's really gone too soon. Our version of Nipsey Hussle, it was our version. I'm going to really praise him like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, we still got your audio there. Um, so today, what, what we got lined up is we, we got some video that we're going to be looking at as well. Yeah. But unfortunately, fortunately for us, we're also joined by some uh, mental health professionals. We're going to be joined by Michelle Phillips, LMHCA, um, mental health clinician and healer. Um, and then also going to be joined by Adair Hasty Vinoy, uh, M E D. It's a lot of letters here. <laughs> Who is a clinical supervisor and therapist at Ellison Coaching and Counseling Group? Uh, you know, I think it's an important. We we suffer just tragedy after tragedy in our community. Unfortunately, like decade after decade, um, and we 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 never really have really good conversations about grief and about, you know, healing and dealing with our trauma. And so we want to be able to use some of the time today to be able to do that as well. Yeah, I think, you know, all of us, it takes time for us to grieve, but we need to learn how to take the steps when we're ready to start grieving, you know, because like everybody grieves differently, but we need to learn how to get some steps and some, you know, some outlines so we can kind of step by step get through it. Right. Um, you know, I was in I was in Houston uh, almost one week ago. I was down there at my daughter's softball game when I got the news. You actually you called me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You called you called me, and um, I flew right back here. And man, I wasn't ready for just the uh, people love Devon. Yeah, I I found out that I just I wasn't the only one that loved him like that. You know, I guess it was something personal to me. You know. He supported me. And I think he was he rubbed off on everybody that way. You know, he was always a free spirit, but he was always going to support you. He always wanted to see you grow. Right. But he's a living example, though, for real. 100 percent. So last year we had the opportunity. We partnered with Vanish in Seattle and also the Seattle Department of Neighborhoods. Um, and we produced a short film about. Devon and Kiana Pickett and their business, The Postman. Um, and the premise of the film was like, here is a, a business of people from the community that's thriving in place despite gentrification and displacements that's happening in the Central District. And for people who might not have known Devon or who are just trying to catch up on who Devon was, I think that this short film right here kind of gives some insight into Devon and Kiana Pickett and The Postman. Postman. And I'm Devon Pickett with the Postman. Brief 
history is that a young couple started a mom and pop shipping center in loving memory of my great grandfather, Jacques Chappelle. He was a USPS mail carrier for 37 plus years in the community and ultimately retired from the post office. And then we wanted to take it a step further and created our own uh, shipping platform. We really feel like we came in at a time where the community was really being hit with gentrification and it's like not something we can prevent but we're like right in the middle of it and then with the USPS leaving and a lot of people really relying on that service it was really a, a pivotal time when we came in and we were like embraced with open arms because people needed the services we brought back faxing people were not able to send a fax anywhere and so what Devon loves to say is we took a mundane um, type of service like shipping or postal service and like created something and that's like a culture and you come in here to get lifted up. There's just so much that we brought to the community that um, it was missing and that we're like growing off of what was already here. I'm born and raised in Seattle, a central district area. My roots in the community are really tied in mailing or business where we're from in the inner cities is not something that you know people are understanding the importance of it now and they're uh, becoming more enlightened in those things you know um, so to see us doing that is like well I could go start a tax company or you know whatever whatever outside the box that we don't always you know outside of being an athlete or something like that as a CEO I like to look at the bigger picture of it all and just knowing that we uh we bring something that everyone can learn from no matter their background. It's pivotal, I just feel like it, it, in one in one regard it could be just seen as a mail center, you know what I mean? But then if you dig deeper, it's like, it says so many different things in the progression of where we are as a community. There's a lot of different conversations that um, happen in the Postman. We go from talking about astrology to like what's going on in politics and it's really like a, a space you can come into with your own views and have a real conversation and not feel like I'm going to be wrong. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that come in that are just getting started and, um, you know, coming and getting insight and like they see that we did it and they have questions of like, how do I get to where you are at or taking their, their business ideas to the next level. We bootstrapped it since the beginning. So um, continuing to want to grow and um, just already, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's, doing taxes, hiring employees. Those have all been like challenges that you face anyway. But then when COVID happened, then now, you know, you don't, you can't just walk into a building and go get service or just call someone on the phone because people are working from home. We did a promotion of paying for the postage for people to just send a car to a loved one or someone that they just wanted to give a message to and we were inspired to do that because we were just seeing like a lot of people were freaked out they didn't know what was going on and we didn't know what was going on either but it was our way to keep spreading love and getting people to be positive we want to employ as many people as we can from the community we got probably like nine employees and majority of them are family, you know what I mean? Yeah, I see us being like a, a community like Starbucks, UPS, 
yeah. Apple, like yeah. all these things in one, you know, um, just being a cornerstone for for people, an outlet for them to talk or a meeting space to have some time to connect, you know? So we're young, uh, we live in an era where like everything is moving. So we're very involved with the Postman, but we're also looking to start scaling it by like two years, three years, so that we can focus on other things that evolve this business plus other businesses we're starting. The future of the Postman is the Postman app and neighborhood marketplace. What the, the app is going to do is basically allow customers to continue to use the Postman services, whether they come into the store or they're doing it from home. And then we'll have the neighborhood marketplace, which will be a marketplace of uh, local micro and small businesses that use the Postman, that ship from the Postman, and that are uh, here around the Postman. And then as we open up more stores, that the neighborhood will grow to all those surrounding businesses the challenge has been um, staying true to the values of what we want right through all the success the failure the, the, all those different things because um, being young being a couple um, having a family having a ton of success being in the limelight you know it can be uh, there can be a lot that comes with it. Since there's been a lot of changes in the Central District, we hope that with the Postman, we, we're creating more jobs and we hope that the, the community wants to come and be a part of the Postman and part of the growth. Because it's more than just shipping and there's real community involvement. We just recommend and encourage the city leaders and politicians to, you know, come down to the Postman, come talk with Devon or I, um, if you're looking to have insight on, you know, people from the community that are on the, what we like to call the ground level or the street level, and um, that are also connected with, you know, people who are up in the corporate, you know, we, t we talk to a lot of different people. That's where, you know, being connected to community is our thing, and so we just encourage and invite you know those city officials leaders politicians come come talk with us and find out what the people really want and need so yeah the postman right there and again thanks to vanishing seattle and the seattle department of neighborhoods who partnered with us in the production of that but you know i think it kind of gives some insight they said that this young couple you know Coming right there. Yeah, like I, I guess it's different because I seen Devon from the ground up. You know, when he said something about you know you don't just have to be a basketball player or a baller, right? He was a basketball player, a hell of a basketball player, the floor general. You know I me? Mean? And the reason I I had to bring that up was his travel through basketball made him the man he was. He got through college by playing the game, but then he learned that it's a whole lot more than just basketball and. uh he was a living example. You know, you know, when you see dreams and, and you're not able to touch them, you're not able to touch people that accomplish their goals. He was one person that walked the same pavement that we did. And then he showed us how to actually hustle in a real way. Like, go get you a business. You know, you can do it. Like, I did it. You can do it, too. I walked the same path you did. But I chose to, you know, grind for it. So I just... You know, he was somebody that always was inspiring uh, to know that you can do it. You can you can strive for better. You don't have to stay in the same, you know, situation that you're in. Right. And De Devon actually went Rainier Beach High School yes. and uh, Central Arizona College and came back to Seattle University. Yes, he did. Now, just think about it. He's from the CD. 
but he went to high school in Rainier Beach. Okay, he got love from everywhere. You hear me? And it was never, it wasn't a problem when he was at Rainier Beach. You know that everybody say something about the CD South End, but really, we all family. You know, at the end of the day, the real recognized the real. Devon went from the CD and get, went to Rainier Beach. He showed love there, and he got love in the South End. So you know, I just you know that's somebody you got to inspire to be. You know, being a good human being. He was a he was a good man first before he was anything else. So I, you know, so many more things I could talk about about DK, but you know, right. And also, you know, I wanted to say that um, this is this is us kind of like what, what what we have like a lot of the converged stuff and video and everything else. But you know, this this ain't it. Meaning that like you know, this is we got lots of space and capacity here. I know it's a lot of different community and community members, yes. that, you know, at all kinds of different aspects of Devon. So I'm just saying this isn't the beginning. This this show right here isn't the beginning or the end. Well, it's definitely the beginning, but it's not the end. And it's with the definitely. Converge platform is, is open. Because, you know, there's a whole basketball community. That's oh, out man, there. listen, man, I'm, I'm going to put it to you like this, man. Devon always, you know, Nipsey was one of his inspirations. We always got to say the marathon continues. Always told me that. You know, he always said he was respected what I did, but he always wanted me to level up, always wanted me to see that, you know, I could do better. So, you know, this definitely ain't the end. His right. legacy is going to always live on. Right. We've got uh, one more piece of video here and then we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with Michelle Phillips, who's a mental health clinician and healer. Um, you know, in 2020, right before the the, the lockdown, Right. This, yeah, this was a uh, lockdown supreme. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is converged, man. So this I let people know this is before the protest, before the lockdown, man. And I remember we was going into election season. And, you know, I was like, man, listen, Democrat, Republican, whatever, you know, bet on a sure thing. Vote black love. You know, for and, sure. <laughs> and for sure. We, we 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 piloted a show. Right. It was a vote black love 2020. And the very first couple was uh, Devon and Kiana Pickett. The <laughs> I mean, their love is crazy, man. Like, it's like so strong to be so young, you know? It ain't nothing like a young love, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And the, the whole, this whole segment is 12 minutes long. Uh, we're not gonna play all 12 minutes here this morning. A big shout out to Ruben for, he went and basically re-edited everything and put it together. Nice. We'll, we'll put the whole thing out later on today. But we got a clip right here from from Vote Black Love 2020 with Devon and Kiana Pickett. And the question to both of them was, what do they love the most about each other? His tenacity, his grit, his drive. Um, I love that, you know, he's a diamond in the rough. He, he comes from the mud where I come from. And... I love that even when I'm crazy and be all, yeah, just crazy, that's the word. He, he's still there, my, uh, you know, my lover, my best friend. So I love that. <laughs> I could just list a whole bunch of stuff like, I mean, I just I always just tell her she's a sweetheart. I just feel like she at the at the root of everything, she's a sweetheart. You know what I mean? Um, I really love her because she loves all of me, which I feel like me being me, I know that there's uh, there can be some challenges because I'm an alpha male and all that. But she definitely um, has loved me from the day I met her, and you know, I mean, since we fell in love and. Uh, 
I would say just how smart she is and how beautiful she is and um, just her her willingness to like be more and her like drive to be more like you know I always admire how like where she comes from and how we both come from similar backgrounds but it's like this is where we ended up and this is where we're at and uh, I feel like I like her openness um, to just really you know allow me to lead and like just be all the way in and like it just it, it allows me to love her that much more I mean um, I know I feel like words I'm gonna fall short but I definitely love my I love her dearly I tell her all the time and I feel like I show that in, in ways of uh, just us still doing stuff together and just just always wanting uh, it to be known that like when you see me that's her too and um, just legacy you know and I always tell her I really love her on a deep level because I know I just know her so I think about her family and how her upbringing and all that and I always tell her like like I got you because that's just how I am and I think about like I'm really who her support is and her uh, like my family has become her family in a real way and um, so yeah I mean I love her man I love her with all of me you know what I'm saying <laughs> that part <laughs> break up break out in time yeah. <laughs> hey y'all that was um man pickets <laughs> yeah for real uh, you know for young men like young people to express their love like that and actually have a real love you know everybody should be inspired to have love like that you know through the ups and downs you always got to find someone to love you know and uh, they showed it you know and everything they did was together wasn't never a part thing. You never seen, you know, Devon do a business without his his wife right there next to him. So, you know, I just appreciate, you know, them showing us what it is, you know, through the good and bad, we can always stick together, you know? Right. And we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna put out that full episode number one of, of Black Love. Trey. Uno. Trey Holiday uh, brought uh, Black Love back in March. Yes, we, she we did. did. Yeah, you were there. We did one week of a uh, of, of Black Love special. So never know, this might be an impetus to have another round of that. Yeah, I think we do. I think we I think a whole lot of us need to show, uh, you know, see a lot more Black Love and, and know that it's possible to love one another a lot more than what we're doing right now. Yes, it is. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Michelle Phillips. Uh, Michelle is a mental health clinician and a healer. You're watching Special Report. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more. And people seem to always think giving means money. But nah, bro. It's like you can give time. You can give understanding. You can give access. You can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents. But you just got to give. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. 
Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. All right, welcome back to Special Report. Uh, Devon Pickett Jr., gone too soon. My name is Omari Salisbury. I'm joined now on the set by Michelle Phillips, who is a mental health clinician and healer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Dan, thank, man, thank you for coming on such short notice. You know, we, we got this slot late yesterday and uh, hit up Ashley McGirt as usual. And, 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 and Ashley went and, you know, reached out to the to the community and here you are right yeah you know ashley is um you know i I feel like you know she was unable to fulfill her crown so you know she could reach out to other folks um in the community who you know are deeply supporting all the work that she is doing for community and i'm just grateful to have been available uh to join you all this morning Right. So we want to we want to show everybody here uh, two things and then we want to come and talk to you about, you know, the, the grief and the trauma mm-hmm. that our community is dealing with and how we might be able to to deal with some of that. And Matt, you'll, you'll tell me when because I don't have a monitor. Uh, the first one is the photos. It's a photo monitor vigil. Mm-hmm. And what people should be seeing right now is um, this was the, the cards and, and the flowers and, um, you know, the condolences that were left out there at the postman and also um, some photos of the the candlelight vigil and community. Was so many hundreds of people came out. Yes. You had, they had to close MLK right there because there was the so first people. of his kind. Oh. You were saying, Bruce? Hey, that was the first of his kind. I I haven't seen a candlelight like that. I mean, they did it up for, for my man. You know, they, they blocked off Union and MLK. Nobody can drive through there. Let us all, you know, remember his name. So I, that was the first time I've seen that happen. So. Right. It was it was a lot of different kind of people there, too. Yeah, it wasn't was, just was it lots wasn't of black just, folk there. It was everybody. lots of white people, lots of other people. Man, I mean, it was, big it shout was out still. to Seattle University, too. Their basketball team That's came true. through and, and, and showed uh, love to their alumni, man, because he is alumni. So that it just shows that the community can work together. Right. And then we got a video clip here. This was of the balloon release. That's just a big time right there. All right. So, uh, Michelle, you know, uh, that that day, I mean, we could visually see it because there was hundreds of people that were out there all, you know, in in different levels of grief and different levels of trauma. But I mean, as a as a mental health professional and tell us, like, you know, what's what's going on? What are we experiencing? Right. Right. You know, that that really that outpouring is is really so beautiful to see. It's what we need. You know, it's a community in mourning, you know, and oftentimes 
we don't have the opportunity to express our grief fully, you know, when we experience a loss, right? You know, we gotta keep uh, going to work. We gotta keep doing life as usual. We may not be able to get that time off of work, you know, when, you know, maybe it's not like an immediate relative, right? But it's somebody that you've taken care of in community. And so you can't get that bereavement leave, you know, from work. But this is what we need to do as a community. We need to come together and be allowed and have space to really express our grief and, and mourning around, you know, this, this tremendous loss for our community. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot um, and unfortunately, going to too many funerals. And one thing that we hear a lot is like, man, be strong, be strong. Right. And I know me personally, and I don't know if, if this is the right array or the right approach, but me personally, a few years ago, I made a decision to, man, go through it to get to it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I really... I really put myself in a place of like, man, I'm gonna be funky, I'm gonna be sad, I'm a, right. but I know that I won't That's always right. be there. So instead of me being like, man, I'm gonna just be stronger, but no, nah, I'm gonna be weak because this is what I'm feeling right now. I mean, is what what are some of the, because like I said, we really hear a lot. Man. You just gotta be strong. Absolutely, Don't cry, you know? absolutely. And and you know, it's you know, we say you you know, we can't heal what we can't feel. You know, we've grown so, so numb, you know, we, we, we we're so um, caught up, you know, we have so many griefs, right, that's compounding on each other, so many losses that are compounding, you know, when you give yourself that permission, like, look, I'm gonna feel these feelings, you know, then we can begin to, to really heal and move on into, you know, what was you know, what was this life and legacy trying to tell me? Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to make out of this loss? But we can't get there if we don't give ourselves permission to fully grieve the losses that we're experiencing. Yeah, I th you know, I have a question because, you know, for some reason, it always says when it rains and pours. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for this instance, it kind of is, you know, because Devon passing and then Caleb Isabel passing, which was his best friend in a car accident days later. Right. It's just hard for right. us to start the process. Right. You know, right. Um, tell us about this, you know, the, the strong people mm -hmm. on, you know, giving them space in order for them to start the process. Right. So I'm going to say don't stop. OK, so grief is a normal and expected reaction to any loss change or transition, right? So it's gonna look different for everybody, but it is a normal and expected reaction and stuff's changing all the time, all the time. So grief is always there. So don't even stop, right? Just know that grief is always gonna be there, right? And you're gonna be asking questions like, what does my grief need today? And keep asking yourself that question until those answers become how you live, right? So I might need to stop. I might need to take a break today. I might need that mental health day, right? Just don't stop. And it's not that grief, people mistake grief and sadness. They are different things, right? They're two different things. And it's different than depression, 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Those three things, they're not all the same. So don't stop. Don't stop grieving. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to experience joy. You can experience joy because you are in touch with your grief. You feel me? Yeah. I think that um, when I talk to a lot of young people, you know, and uh, geez, what month was that in August? We had five funerals in five days. Right. Right. That's right. Um, and right, one of, one of the funerals I was at, this this young person got up, who's experienced a lot of trauma. He, he's been mm -hmm. around a lot of death and murder at like 20, 21, 22 years old. Right. And you know what he said was like, man, you know, he's he's just numb to it. He's like, man, we're just all gonna die anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's, it was so impacted. I I, I went I went and talked to him after that, but it seems like that there's. There's an element of us now, and especially the the younger people, these young adults mm -hmm. have experienced so much right. trauma after trauma after trauma. And then us sometimes as old folks, we we sit there and we we wonder why our young people are doing some of the things they do, because there sometimes seems to be a disconnect and we're disregarding the amount of trauma that these young people have been through. I mean, That's to be right. 20 years old and have four or five, six friends that have murdered or committed suicide and everything else is real difficult. What's going on in a, you know, right now in our community. And I can understand how someone wants to put up a barrier to feeling because when they open it up, that feeling might just be so overwhelming. Right, right. Yeah, you might actually just have five years of tears to cry, wow. right? You just might, you just might. And you know, that that numb feeling, you know, it, it really adds to this sort of chaotic precarity. You feel it when you're with inside big groups now, you know, especially after the pandemic, right? It's like this feeling, you know, we have, it's like, you you don't know what's going to pop off, right? Because people have really been taken to, to an edge. And so it's so important that we break the stigma, that we start talking about mental health. We start talking about trauma in our families, you know, that we start telling people why people died, the conditions that they passed in so that it can be a message to those young people, right? Like, hey, this happened because of mental health. So that can encourage them to seek the help that they need because that that numb feeling, you know, you can't move. You start making poor decisions and those feelings, that's human, right? That that rage, that anger, that grief, that sadness, that that's a marker of our humanity. That makes us human, right? So we got to be worried when we don't have those feelings, when we are when we are locked up, you know, and we can't express, you know, what we really need to express. I, I could tell you, like, um, I go through a whole lot of emotions about this, right? Yeah. I'm tired of seeing my inspirations go down while That's these right. suckers are still living, man. That's I right. I don't like it. That's I mean, right. People that are making me grow and making me want to do better. Right, right. I ain't here no more, so I got to live off the memories. That's right. That's right. But these suckers are still out here, man, and I don't like it. And I'm trying to fight through it. 
I know I got to be strong is what they say, but I ain't, I, man, I ain't strong for that, man. I, ain't, I, 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 I don't know how to take that. Right. Right. And, you know, the thing that I want to say is, you know, mental health is all of our issue. Right. You are not alone. Right. And so we've gotten to this point where we, we feel like we got to suffer alone and we don't. Right. And, you know, people's mental health becomes our issue. Right. When they leave their homes and, you know, start acting out, committing violence. Right. So it's like you're like you're like we're not free. Right. This young brother lost his life. Right. So so none of us, none of us are free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I know that. You know, for me around this, it's really weird because like it just it comes in waves. Right. Like, like I said, I I was in Houston. I flew home. I got off the plane and, and you know, hit the ground running, you know, covering things like what it like a journalist had on and covering. OK, here's what's going on here. Here's the latest information. Here's a candlelight visual. Here's what people are saying and everything else. And I got through the first day you know, fine, because it's like, you know, I had that hat on. Right. And then the the next day, it was like a lot of media stations was calling. They wanted interviews. And mm-hmm. I was I was just too overwhelmed with grief. And I know, like, right. before, I'd probably be like, OK, let me sit and try to talk. But I thought about it. I was like, man, let me just let me be in my I'm not obligated. You, right. you know what I'm saying? I that's think right. maybe that's something as well is that we always feel like we are we obligated. Right. Obligated, whatever. Sometimes we just gotta be in the moment, and mm-hmm. it's uh, I hear what proof is saying, and that like, yeah, we, that's right. We put <laughs> we put so much, you know, hope in this young in this young man. Yes, yes, you know what I'm saying, and um, yes, you know, just just real inspiring. I remember uh, Devon. Uh, you come up there, uh, a black dot on Jackson, right, and we right. said, talk, you know, because he, he was rapidly growing in the media space. People don't realize, like, Devon was in Puget Sound Business Journal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? At one time, the people from TED Talk were sitting there trying to get Devon to do TED Talks and everything. Mm-hmm. But he'd come up there, they, you know, we'd be talking, we'd be doing some media training. I'm like, man, Devon, bro, you're going to be a star, bro. I'm like, you're already a star in all these other mm-hmm. things, man. He's like, man, That's you're going to, you know, and it's like, we, it's a lot of times in community where you invest a lot in the people and you don't see it. Man, every investment made in Devon, uh, all across, you saw a return in this young man. That's right. And you saw his growth. That's you know right. what I'm saying? It, it was a return. And I, I'm just sad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, with some... Um, we can busy ourselves, you know, and then, you know, when we can't go you know, any further, right? It's like we have to just sit sit in that grief and, you know, you realize, you know, that you needed to take a moment. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I can't take too much but a moment, you know? Right. Devon told me that, you know, the marathon continues. So I'm going to take this time, you know? That's right. I got to keep moving. He, he respected what I did, so I got to keep going. And in that sense, because that's something, 
you know what I'm saying? Not really, not more, more than just a, a lyric or a motto from Nipsey Hussle. It's a lot of us in community who really we gravitate to that, that the marathon continues. But maybe you could break that down in the sense that a marathon is just that, a marathon. Right. And that, that you know, the, our life's work, our marathon will continue. And, and sometimes this, this grief is a sprint, mm-hmm. but our life work is the marathon. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you 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 got to slow down to to prepare for for a marathon. And like I was saying this, you know, if if busyness were a cure for grief, we'd be done already. You know Mm. what I'm saying? So Mm. the first part of grieving is like figuring out what you're not going to do. Like what what doesn't need to be done right now? You know what I'm saying? Like what can wait? you know, in order to give yourself the opportunity to really, to really grieve. And and the message in any loss, you know, like you're saying about legacy, the message in any death is really, how am I going to live? How are we going to take, you know, all that Devon Pickett Jr. accomplished in his short life? And how are we going to be the embodiment of his legacy. I was one of the entrepreneurs at the postman getting packages together and, you know, being and sitting and talking with Kiana and talking with his family and seeing his babies. What what are we going to do as a collective to heal and to truly live and be the embodiment of what this young brother was trying to do with his life? Right. That's his message to us. That's what we need to be about right now michelle before we let you go did any other words of advice or encouragement to community mm-hmm. you know i want to say that you know we have to start talking about our grief our losses our trauma we have to talk about each with each, we have to talk about it with each other in our families you know we got to break the stigma the shame you know we got to seek support and services you know, when when they are are needed, you know, in order to grieve or in order to really fully um, to thrive and to be inside of joy and liberation, we must give ourselves time and space to grieve and heal. All right. Michelle Phillips, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. We're going to take a, a quick break right now and we're going to talk about, you know, one one thing people might not realize is that Devon was also the head coach of the CD Panthers six U team. And these are our young boys uh, between the ages of four to six. And his son also played on the team. And so we're going to talk to Adair Hasty Vinoy, who's also a therapist, um, and, and talk about like, you know, dealing with grief and our, our young people and our children and our community. You're watching Special Report. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in, talked to our lender, and saved our home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHalf.org. That's WashingtonHAF.org. 
Okay, well, now we're back. <laughs> Welcome back to Special Report right here from the live from the Paramount Theater. And want to say thank you to uh, STG Presents and to the Paramount for making space for us here, especially this this early slot. We got it together um, last night. Um, we're going to welcome right now, right now, Adair Hasty, <laughs> who, who's also a therapist. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here this morning. All right. Um, man, when, when we, before we went to break and we'll play a video right here, um, we talked about how Devon was also a head coach mm-hmm. of the CD Panthers, the 6U team. Um, I see these young kids, ages four to six, and his son also mm-hmm. um, played on the team. And I know one thing for sure is our young people have been impacted and not just by by this, they're constantly impacted. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we might not know how to approach it. We're going to play this short clip right here and then we'll come back and talk about it. Okay. One, two, three, CD! Just do what you can do, okay? Nobody expects you to do nothing but what's to make sure that the, the youth were supported. Uh, they lost their coach um, and that's such a difficult time for the community as well. I uh, want to make sure that I was out th- out here. Uh, we did make an arrest and uh, you know, that doesn't, while that might bring closure to the specific case, it doesn't bring closure to the, to the community and everything that's going on. So I want to make sure I supported you. But I flip the coin, say, say your call loud enough for the other team to hear, buddy, okay? Here we go. Tails is called. Yeah. Tails it is, guys. Yeah. Four, five, six. All right. Big shout out, proof, proof in the play for for getting that footage out there. Um, so what we saw there in that in that video, and two things that really uh, stick out is we saw Kiana Pickett mm-hmm. encouraging uh, uh, little Devon Papa before before the game. You know, just to tell him to do what what he can, and then also right there at the coin toss. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He, he called tails and they got tails. You see them all jumping up and down. But man, how was what are the impacts of, of this kind of trauma like on our young people? Well, I think that far too frequently now in particular, we're seeing this tragic loss of life over and over and over again. And one of the things that I hear a lot of young kids say is that, am I going to make it? to 15, 13, you know, am I, I don't even have expectation about getting to 20 or 21. And they don't see, um, they don't see life having longevity to it. And, and because they don't see life having longevity, there's fear. And there is a disruption in the daily, daily life. Because if there's fear, there's instability. If there's instability, there's no security. If there's no security, there's distraction. There's inability to focus. And so you're seeing kids now um, almost 
lose hope, if you will, because of what they're constantly being barraged with around the loss of life. And it impacts kids a lot of different ways. One of the things that I think as, as parents that we've got to become more aware of is how our kids are impacted by this loss of life that we're seeing with such regularity. I think when we see our kids get up, go to school, come home, do homework, play sports, that there's this subtle assumption that everything is okay because they look like pretty much like it's okay. But what we're missing is what's happening on the inside. And what also is missing is us affirming that emotion and tears are okay, that they're a normal, healthy part of our humanity. Like Michelle was saying, it's a normal part, but we say to our kids, and I heard you gentlemen mention it, be strong. Be strong has that connotation of no tears. And I wanna encourage parents to rethink saying that because there is strength in my acknowledgement that I am hurting. There is strength in my tears. Tears, tears have a very therapeutic um, effect in our lives. They obviously, they clean our eyes, but they're also a place where we release, we release stress. They also have pain soothing um, properties. And so incorporating or valuing that process of tears is really, really important for kids to know, okay, I can still be who I am, even though I'm having some tears, even though I'm crying. Crying is a symbol of our humanity. And so acknowledging, having parents to acknowledge and encourage their children, tears are okay, emotions are okay. And before that even happens though, it's important that a parent come to terms with their own sense of loss, that they acknowledge their own emotions and that they normalize for their child the, their feelings of emotions as well. Yeah, I think that, um, and you're right, we we hear that in even quite a few funerals that I've gone to and you know, people are well intending, of course, but you know, you hear them tell these young kids, you know, stop crying, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying, be strong. And yeah, I I think that that we we want to be more more intentional. Mm -hmm. And um, it's unfortunate that I'm even saying this, but it's like we have to find a skill set to be able to communicate better with our young people around loss and that's because we're losing so many mm -hmm. we're losing so many people in our community that's actually a skill that we have to have now mm -hmm. is being able to 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 communicate with with our kids what are what are some of the the what are some some things that like we want to parents will want to be on the lookout for, okay. you know what I'm saying? When you talk about, you know, kids might you know, go on, they're going to maybe football practice or going to school, they're coming mm -hmm. home. What are, what are some of the maybe subtle signs that, that somebody want to look out for that might indicate that their child is struggling with dealing with, with grief? Well, children, when they are typically dealing with grief, they express their grief in bursts, right? So they might have a, a major blowout, and then they pull it together, mm. all right? Um, because the, the reason that we generally see that is because kids um, 
you know, they want to appear grown up, right? So, and what we model as adults is be strong, kind of hold it all together, right? And then, so they, they, they do that. But then the other thing is that kids don't want to seem like they're different from their friends when it comes to emotions, uh, tears, crying, right? So they pull it back together really quick and they, they keep going. But as a parent, there are things that you want to watch for. You want to look and see, well, is, you know, little Bobby, is he less focused on his, on his work or her work? Is, is he or she, um, uh, their sleeping habits a little different now? Are, are we seeing more aggression in terms of their behavior towards others? You know, are they, are they blowing up more frequently? Um, when you're talking about like the, the really little people, three to like six, four to six, you might even see some regression in the behavior, increased bedwetting, um, difficulty falling asleep, really wanting to be um, assured and secure with their parent, needing that, needing that extra encouragement to feel like they can fall asleep. So when you begin to see some of those kinds of things, that's really when it's important to touch base with your child and ask, you know, hey, honey, what's going on? How are you feeling? and helping a, a child to tap into what it is that they're feeling and normalizing that. So even asking how they're feeling as opposed to telling them how they should feel. Correct, Amundo. Yes. You know, I had a, a question, question because, you know, uh, I think for a lot of people, it's just the what next after I'm done with my tears. Okay. How am I supposed to uh, move forward after that? You know, it is a sense of therapy for me. You know, I feel like I, I let some things go with that. But for mm -hmm. most people that say, you know, you got to be strong and you're teaching your son to be strong. Mm -hmm. But uh, for those strong people that, you know, want to start using their emotions, mm -hmm. how can they go through that emotion and then move forward and be better? Really good question. So, like I said, one of the most important pieces is to acknowledge what it is that you're feeling and to help normalize for your child what you're feeling. Right. That that experiencing emotion is a normal part of life and tears are a normal part of life. And if you are modeling that, right, if you're modeling that to the child, showing them that it's OK to be in touch with your feelings, that is a that is a tremendous start. And then you asked about moving beyond the beyond the place of tears. Yeah, after, yeah. after you get done with those tears, how can yeah. you move forward and be better and, and, and try to walk into that, you know, being a better person and, okay. and trying to get better, you okay. know, because, you know, you can grieve for only a certain amount of time, but then, you know, you have to get back to, you know, moving forward through your journey and, and getting better and smiling about things too. Mm -hmm. Well, tears and the grief journey is not a finite process. Okay. Okay. It's not a finite process. You could go three months and then something reminds you or trigger a memory yeah. and the, the tears just begin to flow. So I want to encourage you to keep in mind that the grief journey is a journey. It's a process and it's not a definitive start and it's not a definitive stop. For some folks, they will be able to hold it together, if you will, yeah. you know, for days at a time, but then in the privacy of their bedroom, they can't sleep the tears just begin to flow. And they're doing that in the, in the privacy of their bedroom. Out publicly, face keep straight, together. keeping it together, right? But they're holding, they're squelching 
that emotion that they're experiencing. Do you, do you think as a community we can start, uh, we can kind of help that process of us, that strong behavior of us having to be strong and crying in, in a closet or crying in a privacy? Because Absolutely. I think like, um, you know, the churches and things of that nature in our community was more of a safe space. Mm -hmm. I think we don't have enough safe spaces for us to grieve the way we, we, you know, publicly mm -hmm. for us to all help each other grieve through this process. Um, I'm grieving a lot mm -hmm. and it seems like it's ongoing, right? And it, mm -hmm. the process, you know, it's a journey, right? But it just seems like I'm still always starting from the beginning. It's not the beginning. It, you know, because every death makes it makes me feel like I'm starting from the beginning again, you know? Okay. But it's not the beginning. It's the it's the journey. Yeah. It's the mm -hmm. journey. And the way that you know it's the journey is the tears. It's the tears, right? If you stop crying, then you've stopped really being engaged in your own journey of healing. And so I encourage I encourage you and, you know, those watching, be okay with the tears. Let them flow. Let them flow. And model that to other young people that, you know what, this is a loss. And it is absolutely okay. It takes courage to acknowledge and be okay with the tears. And that's what needs to be modeled to our young men and our young women is that courage is acknowledging that I'm hurting. Courage is acknowledging that there is sadness and, and I'm experiencing a loss. That takes courage. It takes nothing to suck it up and do this, have it all buttoned up. It takes nothing. We've learned and been conditioned to do that. But what you're talking about and what you're doing and what you're experiencing is shifting the trajectory and saying to young men and young women, you know what? Enough is enough. This hurts. This is a loss. This is sadness. But I'm walking through this journey because it's important for me. And I want you to know it's important for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to walk like that every day, but it's, it gets harder. It does. It does get harder. It is hard. It is hard. As you mentioned, loss after loss after loss, that makes it tough. But what was the what was the saying? You know, the marathon, the, the marathon continues. The journey of life continues. And the way to celebrate the legacy is living out the journey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We're getting up here on the top of the hour. Um, and before we let you go, is there anything that you wanted to impart to our community members? I think it's important that we get to the place where we normalize being in contact and connection with our emotions and that we we reinforce to our families that strength is in being connected to what you're feeling and being able to share what you're feeling with one another. When there's loss after loss after loss, it's it's no longer business as usual. It's no longer life as usual. We've got to take the pause and begin to connect because in that connection, that's the healing. When I'm able to link arms with brothers and sisters while we're struggling in our grief, that's community, that's support, and that's healing. And that's what we've got to begin to do. 
is connect at the most basic of our levels of humanity. That's with our emotions. Thank you. Um, a few notes here. Well, we almost are at the top of the hour. Uh, first of all, want to say that we we took two breaks here during the show, and during those breaks, you'll see that there was QR codes. So you know you can always go back through this episode and replay if you want to find a way to give and to donate. Um, there's a few different options that are up there. Want to say thank you to Ashley McGirt um, and the Therapy Fund Foundation for you know always answering the call. Um, when, when when reaching out, um, want to thank our our two therapists here today, uh, Michelle and Adair. And I mean, really, it was it was man, we hit you guys last minute, and and, and you're here. And of course, to see uh, STG presents and the Paramount Theater for making space uh, this morning. And I would just say that you know what we said at the top of the hour is this this is a beginning but you know like converge we we got we got space for those in community because there's lots of different people devon touched a lot of different communities mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying from from his you know college basketball and the basketball community to you know of course the young people the cd panthers the business community and everything else and so you know, we got space here at Converge. We want people to be able to express themselves. And like you said, it, it, it as a media company, maybe that's a safe space that we can create. Mm -hmm. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And uh, everywhere it can be a safe space. Uh, proof anything before we get out of here? Yo, man, I, I just want to tell Devon Pickett and Caleb Isabel, man, I love y'all. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Um, living out my dreams, yo. Right here in the Paramount. <laughs> and I'm hosting with all. So I'm going to keep going. Uh, it hurts, uh, but I know he will want me to keep going. Absolutely. So I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying to put on for my community of Seattle. And uh, yeah, man, I just want y'all to make sure y'all hug somebody, man, and love all of them. Don't love Adam, man. Love all of them. Because we all we got. But we all, really we, need. all we need. Yeah. When we do it like we do it, <laughs> always do it together. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get out of here. Um, we're back live again this morning at 11 a.m. for the day with Trey, and then after that, 12 p.m. with the rewind with Besa. Again, want to thank everybody for tapping in, and I like what you said, man. Let's love on somebody today. Till next time, peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.